You know, audience, I want you to know, just for those who, unless you were living in a cave or something, I can't imagine how you would not know this, but for months, activists and politicians, you know, um, including especially Gillian's family, who was huge in this whole thing. I remember hearing about them and out there protesting and out there in front of the mics and, and actually out there looking for her. But they demanded an investigation into Fort Hood. Now, for the civilians, Fort Hood is the nation's third largest army base. And if you I mean, that's bigger than some states. And so on July 10th, 2020, Ryan D. McCarthy, he was the secretary of the army. He ordered an investigation into Fort Hood and he utilizing his chain of command, you know, because it was about literally after all these violent deaths and suicides and complaints of sexual harassment on the base, he demanded some results. Um, finally, in December, 14 army officials at that base at Fort Hood were either fired or suspended, including several high-ranking leaders. And so the investigation found major flaws at Fort Hood. And we just talked about some of the structure. But as we know, everything needs improvement, right? So the Well, I do want I do want to let you know though. Um the original investigation that the Army Secretary ordered was from the IG and also they sent it from the, uh, the SHARP program in the DOD SAPR. And when they um, presented the results to the hearing, and I believe it was July 29th, um, they said all is good. The Fort Hood um, oh. SHARP program passed. And, you know, they've listed off percentages that they received from surveys saying that um, these people say that they will report sexual harassment or sexual assault, that they're comfortable with going, going to their chain of command. The issue, the issue is, is that they didn't separate gen by genders for the sensing sessions that they had, which is, it's basically a focus group for you civilians out there. A sensing, a sensing session is focus groups of, that's underneath a command, target command or unit where there's a problem. And IG would go in and actually separate by rank, a lot of times by gender, just to figure out what's really going on with the people. And um, sometimes it does turn out to be like a reality show, show reunion from Desperate Housewives where everybody starts arguing, but a lot of things come up from it. And you get a lot of data. Well, the thing is, is that they also only surveyed 300 people. Oh, the base is, I believe, around, it's over 20,000 people. Yeah, right. And so there was a couple, there was a lot of flaws in that investigation. And thankfully, they ordered a independent review by lawyers and by prior military. And they interviewed so many more people. They also, they also focused more on the women. And I will, uh, I'll give them that. They gave it and they focused more on the women. They should have given a little bit more focus on the men. But they found a, a lot of issues of what's going on. So you get the two-sided, you know, DOD military people and IG say we're fine, and then independent people say we're not. So you've got that going on with the congressional hearings. Wow, wow. That's, that's... When you say how they did not focus on men, I know that ties into the stigma, the, you know, the stereotype men don't get sexually harassed or assaulted. And, you know, 
I, I've never shared this with anybody other than my therapist, but you know, one of the things I try to do on this show is be very transparent. And there was an incident myself uh, when I was playing basketball at a gymnasium. And interesting enough, playing basketball, pick up basketball with a bunch of guys. We're all active duty. And while we were playing basketball, this guy that it was playing defense on me just kept grabbing me in a certain way. It didn't click at first. And I just started to notice that when he was playing defense, the way he was grabbing me and the areas he was grabbing me while we were playing, uh, clearly when your body is moving, your body genitals are going in certain directions. Um, and then it got to a point where he was literally almost, you know, cupping uh, my body parts. Now, it, 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 you go through a process in your head, and I don't know how my experiences versus other experiences are against other people, and I don't want to even try to advocate, but I can understand when I've read in the past when people say they're kind of go through a, a, a period of shock. And, and I could definitely attest to that. Um, I'm not going to go into that specifically because obviously we want to talk about the more importantly, the bill. But, you know, to be a person who experienced it, even at a minor level, not to say that the mind was minor, because actually there's more to the story. But the thing is that I can truly understand that we got to stop looking at this being a male on female type scenario because it can go both ways and it can go in the same sex as well. So, you know, um, but that not here nor there. Let's talk about the status of Vanessa. Um, okay, so well, let's go over the bill. Where is it now? Uh, what's going on with Congress? Help us understand. It is now on February 1st, ironically, of 2021. So um, what's going on? Talk to us, Stephanie. So the I am Vanessa Guillen bill was introduced last year. And what happens with the congressional sessions is that whenever House of Representatives have to be reelected every two years. So every two years, there is a congressional session. If a bill is not passed, when the congressional session ends, the bill dies. And then the bill will have to be reintroduced for the next year. Well, the I Am Vanessa Guillen bill had a lot of rules, and it was the most progressive bill that we've ever had for sexual assault and sexual harassment. And there are some items that people from either party would not be um, comfortable with on approving. And one of those that was the most controversial was that um, if this passed, you could file a, a claim on negligence against the military and receive an, up to $100,000 if, if the claim is approved. Well, a lot of people who supported this bill also didn't realize is that if you do receive this and then you file for VA disability based off of the injuries that you have, you would have to repay back that $100,000. Yes. So, wow. And um, I know the Republicans are not for that type of um, amendment inside the bill, but then the some of the people just didn't understand that well, how that would affect your VA disability. And so if they are to um, have that bill, a lot of people didn't realize that they probably need to add that stipulation that it shouldn't affect your, your VA disability or any other thing that you may collect from the government. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, so the bill now, which is technically dead, it needs to be reintroduced. And right now, Representative Jack Spear has been working with um, other veteran organizations to try to figure out how to edit the bill, either to add more things or take them out. So that's the type of process it's going into. Um, a, one of the things that I've been fighting for um, is protections for those that uh, file a report, a complaint, if it's sexual harassment, that they receive protections from retaliation. Because a lot of times they don't link that to whistleblowers protection. And there was a case study in the um, DOD Sapper website that 61% of, of retaliation cases was from their supervisor or chain of command. Mm. So once somebody um, is retaliated against, a lot of times they will drop the case or they won't work with the investigators for, um, for the actual court case if it ever becomes to that. And it becomes a very difficult thing. And after that, the victims do not want to deal with anything anymore with their chain of command. And a lot of times they get out immediately after. And oh, wow. They actually will give up their career because of what they're afraid. Yes. And one of the biggest um, demographics are that either leave the military early or only serve one contract is female between the ages of 18 and 24 and E4 and below. That's the exact target group of individuals that is receiving the most sexual assault and sexual harassment. That's unfortunate. You know, you're, you're talking about a decision that could impact somebody's life. Yes. Literally. And, and what happens a lot of times is that um, when we've received the stories and complaints, and there's a very common story that also comes out following, is that the victims are then diagnosed with personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And for those that don't understand, is that for if you, once you receive a diagnosis of personality disorder, which is um, identified as a predisposed disorder that you receive as a child, there is zero research that say you can get it as an adult. They say you can only get it as a child. Once you get that, you are automatically discharged from the military and you cannot receive any benefits. You cannot receive your VA disability benefits on any other condition. You could have been hit by a truck and then followed by after that, you would be diagnosed with a personality disorder. You would get zero benefits for any of the injuries that you received by getting hit by a truck. What? Yes. Yes. That's insane. Yes. And so um, the um, Vietnam veterans, um, Association had worked with Yale Law School and they went through um, all of the personality discharges that had gone through from 2001 and 2010 and they found hundreds of illegal, yeah. illegal personality disorder discharges and that they were missing the five required um, facets to actually complete the, uh, complete the discharge. And one of them is pretty much a report from the doctor to describe the severity of the um, this uh, personality disorder. 
So I know you're not a I know you're not a psychiatrist or a psychologist, and I am I am okay with that. However, uh, we have listeners who are probably on alert right now based on what you're saying. They're probably going into their head thinking and wondering, can you possibly give a little insight on some of the things related to a personality disorder, like what it may look like? Have you had any experience or at least read any reports to give us some insight on that? Just so somebody can probably try to tap into their own head and kind of wonder if that's something they need to bring up to their doctors. Yes. Well, personality disorder, I will give the disclosure. A lot of the symptoms do um, overlap with PTSD, which is another condition that you can get from having military sexual trauma or violence. And so the type of symptoms you would have would be impulsive and risky behaviors, such as unsafe sex, gambling, or binge eating, unstable or fragile self-image, unstable and intense relationships, up and down moods, often as a reaction to interpersonal stress, and suicidal behavior or threats of self-injury. Well, few of them for the risky and impulsive behavior, a lot of times for PTSD, people go through that either because they, they're not thinking of the consequences, but also they might want to feel alive because a lot of people with PTSD feel numb. Yeah, so that, absolutely. It's really hard to get that to make sure that you you have personality disorder and not have PTSD. And a lot of times your military, or I mean, not military, your mental health conditions can change or evolve. Personally, I will tell you, I've been diagnosed with clinical depression. I've also been diagnosed with social anxiety disorder. And then afterwards, then they finally say that I'm diagnosed with PTSD and they'll just like envelop it together. And you can have more than one mental health diagnosis and then you can also be misdiagnosed. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, or the delay of being diagnosed because a lot of times they don't even find out until years and years and years later. I hope you have been enjoying the show. Well, do not go anywhere just yet. We have a continuing episode with Dr. Bryant Speaks.
I've, and that, I, I've had social anxiety disorder since, a, um, since I was a child. And I can say that I wasn't diagnosed until I was in the military when it was reactivated from my time mm. in the military. So that type of thing you can have since you were a child, but the military allows for me to have sexual, I mean, social anxiety disorder because it was aggravated by the military. Interesting. Okay. All right. So loopholes. <laughs> no, no, this is this is you cannot imagine how important this is. And one of the things about this show is not just the transparency. And I appreciate you, you know, talking about your own personal experience and what you're going through. Um, you're 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 kind of you know going against the whole HIPAA regulations. <laughs> but you more can talk, you can you can talk about it if you want to, and you can. Uh, there's no don't ask, don't tell here. Exactly. And that's kind of the rules of this show because there is a wealth of people out there that listen. I got right now and I'm not trying to plug the show, but we've already crossed over three uh, three something uh, thousand subscribers on YouTube and a whole lot more on our podcast, which means that people are listening. And it's important that we can try to share this because hopefully there's somebody out there who's probably calling their therapist as we speak. So yes. that's important. Yes. All right. So let's talk a little bit about um, this, the, your legislative efforts. Um, before we go into some of your challenges, can you give us a background how you ended up, you know, sort of coming a legislative advocate? You're no longer in the military and yet you're still out there. It feels like on the front lines fighting for people like yourself and me and anybody else who's actually been victim, those that are active, etc. cetera. Uh, talk about how you kind of came into this. And then of course, some of your biggest challenges. Okay. So, um, I've always been a government nerd and with uh, rules and regulations and legislative things and then coming into sexual assault and sexual harassment, a lot of the rules and regulations are coming out of Congress and also by from the DOD on specific rules. So that's how I really got into it. But when the situation of Vanessa Guillen was coming up, a lot of grassroots movements have been getting collected and coming together and pretty much talking together on how to protest. And that's how I got in touch with a few of the women with the military women's coalition. And with the legislative process, I really got into indeed um, myself and to understand what rules that we can actually make a change in, how we can make it better for the next person or make it better for the veterans that we already have. Um, that was one of the initiatives that I've always taken upon myself in my military career. I wanted to get to the next rank so then I can make it better for other people. So I don't have to, so I'm not the only one, or I'm the last one to go through this, is what mm -hmm. I meant to say. So no one else can go through what I went through. Right. Right. So it's a, it's not just a personal thing. It's a mission. It's a purpose. Now, is this a full-time job for you? Um, are you employed or are you doing this voluntarily? What's kind of the status uh, with uh, doing this? So technically I am, um, I'm paid as hundred percent disabled because um, I have migraines um, about two or three a week from a TBI I had that wasn't actually diagnosed until about six or seven years later. We didn't know what TBIs were, traumatic brain injuries. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and 
So um, then I started getting migraines um, years later from actually having more traumatic brain injuries. And so I am disabled. I don't work. But this is a volunteer thing for me. And I work for my house and I put this together. So um, I will say, though, from the Vanessa Guillen, when the Vanessa Guillen bill came out, there was only 88 co-signers or co-sponsors for that bill. Oh. For the house, you need 219. Yeah. So what came on in the Women Veterans Facebook group is that we were trying to get people to volunteer, to call their representatives, to put to actually sign up for this bill. We also started with the uh, senators as well, because um, at the same time, since it was such a short amount of time for the bill to stay alive, they did a companion bill, which means that they would introduce it in both houses. And as long as they get voted on with the same amount, uh, with the same language, they'll get approved together at the same time and then go to the president for signature. Well, that didn't happen, but what we did was that we got together and we put together call scripts, we put together letters and, and templates for people to volunteer themselves to actually contact their Congress people. And one example that I like to use is uh, that Congress people will listen to their, their constituents. Mm-hmm. Back when Sandy Hook was a big thing and they were putting in a bill for um, gun control. This one uh, representative who did not disclose his name, but he's from a very red district and very red state. He asked his staff, um, how many people was against this bill? And it was basically everyone but one person. One person wanted the bill. And because of that one person, he voted for gun control. What? He wanted to be able to support everyone but since there was one person that believed that they needed the bill, he went for it. Wow. Things happen. Things changes because of the power of the constituents. When yeah. there was anti-privacy laws that was being submitted through for Facebook or you know, uh, international IP addresses and those types of things that have been going on, there was a bill to remove the privacy controls. And so then they can actually put in a, a subpoena for IP addresses overseas. Which is, crime, which, absolutely. Sounds, which sounds like a good thing. But the thing is, is that you're also getting in uh, cross privacy laws. Exactly. Right. So when that passed the house, when it went to the Senate, that's when the constituents found out and the constituents told their senators, you better not be uh, voting for this bill. And the bill died. The bill died, right. I remember that. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, people don't like the, what is it? What is the little, the phrase, the daddy or big daddy? What's the, uh, what's that, the the term they use? They don't want big daddy or somebody watching. I forgot the term. yeah, I can't remember. (laughs) When I first started, I remember that. We used to hear that a lot. Um, 
you know, what are some of your biggest challenges uh, as an advocate for legislation? I mean, is it the, the frustration of how long it takes? Is it the frustration of trying to get somebody to listen and hear the importance? Um, is it the frustration that you put in all this work and something dies because somebody is just not really grasping the purpose? I mean, it can probably, I mean, what is it some of your biggest challenges or frustrations? All of the above? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. So um, veterans themselves, they don't believe that they have an impact. A lot of mm. veterans, because they went through the military and you were always, you know, you're the Joe Schmo and you don't have like very much power because they were, majority of them were probably E5 and below, sergeants and below. And you don't have a whole lot of power at that rate. And if you have toxic leadership and bad commanders and they're allowed to stay bad and allowed to do things that were not very kosher, then pretty much you feel powerless. And yeah. that's, that's a lot of feelings. So um, veterans also don't want to talk about politics because they've been turned off by the polarizing po politics that's been mm -hmm. happening lately. Um, my family was split 50-50 when Obama was voted in. And I was, ah. think I was thankfully deployed. <laughs> so I wouldn't <laughs> have to be there for Thanksgiving. <laughs> I feel, I also feel them for the politics fighting. Right, right. Um, so th that is also frustrating. And then you, and what Diana Danis, my mentor, has always been telling me is that legislative change is cumulative. It's a little bit and then you get a little bit, and then you get a little bit. So just having the I Am Vanessa Dean Act introduced last year was a huge step because it was the most progressive and it got everybody talking about it and talking why they need it. So that is the frustrating part is it did die while other um, bills did not. And they weren't actually as big or, or media, um, they weren't in the media very often. The Tally Act. I love the Tally Act. The Tally Act is a very good thing. It's, it's about informing the veterans of what happens with their medical um, disabilities and things like that. That bill passed, which is great. And I'm so proud of Brian Talley that had gotten that. Passed. Yeah, yeah. But the Venice Guillen Act did not pass. And so it's one of those little frustrating things. Um, it does take a long time. And, it, and right now, the focus is on COVID, passing people in the uh, cabinet for President Biden, and then the impeachment for President Trump. So that's been the focus right now. So yeah. trying to maintain the focus for reintroducing the I Am Vanessa Guillen Act will also take some challenges. Well, the good news is, like we mentioned earlier, Biden was VP at the time. Um, so, you know, we can kind of hold it. We got a good three and a half years. Uh, so hopefully we'll get a chance to get that in there before he goes anywhere. Um, you know, you talked about the uh, having access to our medical records. You know, one thing got through, one thing didn't get through. But, you know, I... I, it takes me back to when I was an intern working at city council up in Sacramento. And I remember how some of the water cooler or backdoor conversations went about where you do this for me, I'll do this for you. And it makes me think maybe that was one of those type of circumstances, you know, so uh, let's hope that we can get there. And um, with podcasts like this, 
and I will I will actually title this under Vanessa's name. So with all the hashtags and all the opportunities, um, and of course letting people know your website, which by the way is www.valqrf, which is Registrator Legislator Quick Response Force. That's Victor Alpha Lima. Quebec Romeo Foxtrot.org. And we're going to put that on the website on our YouTube channel so everybody can know about it. And it'll be on all of our social media. So you're going to be hashtagged a lot. So yeah. if you start noticing things, that's probably coming from this podcast. <laughs> yes. My Instagram has been popping up. <laughs> oh. Dr. Brian has tagged me. Dr. Uh, all right. That's that's, absolutely. That's great news to hear. All right. So as we wrap this up, I want to ask a couple, one more thing. So again, we mentioned the Registrator Legislative Response uh, Information. So that's actually a project. So let's get into that because that is so important. So I don't want to let you leave without talking a little bit more about this project. So why don't you explain to us about the Veteran Legislative uh, Quick Response Force? Okay, so for that group and for the website, I'm including spotlighted bills that could help veterans and also the current military. I'll be including um, call scripts and templates. So then veterans in military or even supporters of veterans in military could call their own congressman, leave a message, send them an email and tell them, hey, I want you to vote for this bill. I want you to co-sponsor it. So then we can pass it. And the reason why we need to pass it and all of that information will be in one stop shop on one website because originally we were doing it on a Facebook group, which is not the best organized for having all of that um, paperwork and all of that stuff and the documentation. Another thing that I'm trying to uh, get together is putting in a lot of statistics. And one of the statistics, and I've talked about one of the statistics prior for the DOD um, SAPR program is about the retaliation. Another big one for sexual harassment is only 1% of all of those that were sexually harassed actually file a complaint. Wow. So um, here I'll have, and this was out of 2018. And so more men were technically sexually harassed in uh, FY18. That's 68,550 men out of the military. And for the women, it's 52,231. Wow, those numbers are staggering. And one of the things that I also believe, which relates to the men, is I don't, it's the thing with victims that they don't see themselves as a victim. They don't see it as sexual harassment towards themselves. Right. And one of the things when I used to teach is that I would actually go through some of the examples of actual sexual harassment that turns into hazing for men. Right. Would you allow me to say a few of those? No, I, I, if you hadn't, I was going to actually kind of talk about my own personal, but thank you for bailing me out. So go ahead and you talk about some. So um, it happens and you see it on a lot of frat situations. It's mm -hmm. teabagging. Teabagging yeah. is technically sexual harassment. And there was a um, situation at Fort Hood where they would use it as an initiation for the first people of an organization. I will not say, because if I say uh, what type of organization, it might point it out. But yeah. um, they found out because somebody fought against it. And the other person had very terrible bleeding. They actually ruptured an artery. 
So that's, that's also one. And then you, you would also see it probably in PT formations is popping the men's genitals on yeah. the cock. Right. And that's another sexual harassment situation. So any touching of his general genitals or the other person's genitals un, without consent is technically sexual harassment and also sexual assault if you actually get into it. Right. It, there is the touching involved. And the, and the irony is that you don't even know that it falls under that be label because you're under the camouflage um, impression that it's hazing. Oh, okay, they're just initiating me. They they're testing my strength. They want to see if I'm going to be a part of the brotherhood. Am I going to hang in there? I get it. I absolutely get it. But I didn't get it at the time. Yes, and then when the military, specifically the army, really stamped down on hazing practices, sexual harassment complaints by men dropped. So there is a correlation between the two. And another very common thing for men is for sexual harassment that they um, that the perpetrator is also their superior or higher in rank. Oh, of course. Absolutely. Who else got the authority to do that to see if you're man enough to be in that unit? Um, you, you know, when I remember years ago uh, in our early stages of Iraq, and um, we had some issues with soldiers doing things they weren't supposed to do in jails with some of our captured um enemy i'm gonna say but i'm trying to be as vague and blanket as possible because i really don't want to identify certain uh groups of the forces of our I know forces. exactly what you're talking about okay <laughs> so yeah so um you know when i saw that you know it was interesting because one of the things that they tried to bring light to was the the issue at hand the hazing and all that but the problem is we still continued, especially behind closed doors. I think they we just and I say we because I'm a military. Not saying that I did it, but I tried not to separate myself from my brothers and sisters because we are all in this together. And I hope to continue to believe that because it's important for us to help those who probably didn't even know what they were doing. You know, you are a victim, and then sometimes you become an, an NCO, then you're gonna keep passing the you know the torch. So we're in this together. But my point is that you just got better at either hiding it because of some of the attention that came through in the media. But I think what it is, is that we still feel as in speaking as a victim, we still feel that was it still required of me to go through this because I had to prove something. You know, I, I, I can't help but to take myself back and think about some of the circumstances. And I was in a special ops unit. I had to prove myself from, you know, there's one thing to have basic and AIT and then airborne school and then the Ranger indoctrination program. But it's another thing when you get to Ranger Battalion, you're still proving yourself every single day. And so when you go through certain situations that are very familiar with what you had said, you're thinking, okay, I, I just doing my part. And they did this. They had to go through it as well. So if I'm going to be accepted, I have to accept this. Yes. And, and that's then, very unfortunate. Yes. And then another thing that happens a lot of times is um, there's a myth that if you observe sexual harassment, but it wasn't on you, 
that you can't file a complaint, that you that only the victim can file a complaint. And I've had to do a lot of classes to inform a lot of people because there was situations in companies where the male NCOs would actually realize what another male NCO was doing towards the junior enlisted women. And they, instead of actually report it, they were just trying to make sure and keep him away from the women, which, I mean, it is, at least they did that, but it also perpetuated the situation that what he's doing is still okay and still all right. And so those type of situations are out there and a lot of education needs to happen. And that is not happening because one of the things that they've realized when they came out of the independent review for Fort Hood was that the training is redundant. It hasn't changed. And it's mostly of um, just the PowerPoints to um, flip the chart, just trying to sign and get through on your annual training. So that type of thing happens still. It's a check the block, not an actual conversation with your subordinates or even your coworkers about what is sexual harassment, what is sexual assault, and what and why is it not acceptable? You know, that's actually, um, I have not, like yourself, I'm 100%, so I haven't actually been fully engaged in any of um, my previous employments, but when I was with the federal government, I remember doing that literal video and then going through it and then just basically clicking some sort of virtual signature and it goes in the system and that's it. And honestly, there was no accountability because I could have just fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. All right, I'm good and click and move on to my job. So yeah, check the box. Um, you mentioned call scripts on your on this uh, website. What exactly is call scripts? I'm pretty sure there's some people who may not understand what that is. Well, call script, it, I mean, it's a script of how you can speak to your congressman or just the staff of the congressman. Most likely you're going to talk to a staff member yeah, right. or, a, or an unpaid intern that's probably still in their um, bachelor college path. And... It just tell, it gives you a script of how to say what you want to say on how to convince the uh, congressperson to vote for the bill. Yeah. Okay. So this again, everybody, this is hugely important. You can see this on her website. Um, again, I want to remind everybody that's valqrf.org. All right. That's Veteran Legislative Quick Response Force. Go to her website, get access to this information save it in your browser and and basically do what you can to support it um any last words stephanie for our audience before i let you go no i think we're good <laughs> <laughs> we did we gave a lot of information and i'm really excited to get this out i'm going to talk to the production team and the editors we're going to uh, expedite this i want to make sure this is available um you and i will continue to talk offline this is hugely important to Vanessa's family out there. If you get a chance to listen to this, I want to say, you know, my apologies, but I'm here to help and support in any way I can. And hopefully we will see some change in our military. That is the most important. We have generations and generations to go. My son is active duty right now. Um, and I can't imagine for him to have to experience or go through anything. And he's actually serving in a frat type unit um so it you know 
but there is no and and you could attest to this you know that you just not sure who where there's no there's no color barrier there's no um you know racial barrier there's no uh mos barrier i mean it covers all spectrums so uh i do keep my concerns i do check in with them and it's important but there's other kids and daughters and sons out there we have the next generation so we need to make things better for them we absolutely do so and on that note stephanie i want to thank you you know you have not only your personal sacrifice but you're also still involved you didn't give up and you're still out there fighting so thank you so much for doing this Thank you. Yeah. When you realize when you have a disability like mine, you have to find something to give yourself a purpose every day so you can get yourself up and moving. And from other people that I know that also have similar disabilities or also unemployed because of their disabilities, you got to find something to give yourself purpose. And this is it. That's why we're doing this podcast. That's why I'm here. <laughs> this is exactly why I'm doing this. All right. So that's our show. Um, thank you so much, Stephanie, again. Again, you guys can have access to her link. It'll be on the YouTube channel. It'll be available on the podcast. Remember, the goal is to ensure we maintain a level of communication to support one another. That's what this show is about. We need to understand next steps. We have to be a resource. We help one another navigate through challenging situations. So on that note, to all my veterans and families out there, be blessed. Please be blessed because you are. And know that I am speaking to you. But more importantly, someone is always listening. And I say that because I don't want you to give up. Somebody is listening. And that someone is not just me. It's people like Stephanie. That is my show. My name is Dr. Bryant. I want to thank you all for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. Appreciate it. Thank you.